WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. Well, good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. My name's John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems. And we're supposed to be having Kyle Brower from IC Cars join us this morning, but we haven't heard from him yet this morning, so I just sent him an email to find out what's going on. And also, um, I got some apologies to do. Last week, I offered up some tickets to the Saratoga Motor Car auction and museum and they sent me a whole bunch of tickets to the to the auction and i thought the auction tickets were also good to get into the museum well apparently they're not they're only good for the one day auction or the three day technically three day auction event so uh they did send me a few general admission tickets but they only sent me like four or five so if you were if you were one of the people that won the tickets last week and you wanted to go more to the museum than you wanted to go to the auction, give Jesse a call at 781-837-4900 and say, hey, I won those tickets last week, but I thought they were for general admission, not the auction. Any chance of getting some tickets for the general admission? And I know we had one listener in New York who was all excited about going and maybe he just wanted to go to the the auction. I'm not sure, but if you're one of those people, and I still have your address addresses from last week. Jesse was good enough to save them for me, and um, so I still have those. But um, I'm a little um, little embarrassed that they're. I I thought there was something that they weren't. I guess is what it comes down to. Well, this week I had kind of an interesting week. I went up to. Um, a company called Spark Charge. Spark Charge is a company that built an electric vehicle charging system. And they did it, uh, it was sort of a, and the CEO of the company refers to it as a dorm room startup, I guess similar to Apple or others, uh, where him and some friends kind of put together this plan to be able to charge electric vehicles portably without having to plug into a house or a building or something like that. And he's not so much an engineer, I guess, as he went to a class on how to start a business and did that and came up with this business idea of portable electric vehicle charging. And unlike, for instance, the system that we use a AAA. If you go, if you have an electric car and you run out of electricity, uh, we have uh, we will send out a truck with the big generator on the back of it, and it will charge up your car, and hopefully get you on your way to at least another charging station. Similar to going out and giving you a gallon of gas, so you can get you know fifteen or twenty miles before you, can, so you can get gasoline again. So. This system is uh, is pretty unique because it just basically plugs into house current to charge up, and then it's good to be able to recharge a vehicle. And the, the systems they had were referred to as level 2 charging, which means that it, it takes a while 
takes a while to recharge your car that way. Well, they've come out with a level three charging system, a portable level three charging system, which they say they can recharge about 10 miles in 30 seconds. Maybe, um, because, and why I say maybe is because uh, our testing has shown that not all cars will accept a charge right away. So maybe once the car says, I'm ready to take the electricity in, then it can, but sometimes what happens is the battery has to sort of adjust itself and be ready to accept a charge because batteries don't like a whole bunch of electricity all at once. So they kind of sit there for a minute or sometimes 20 minutes before they're ready to accept a charge. So, um, but what was interesting about this was they called it Spark Day. They had this whole big event set up, and it was um, it 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 was pretty good because they had. I stayed for the morning, and they had a some some political stuff going on. They had the the mayor of Somerville. They had the mayor of Salem, who she's uh, also applying for a new job. Uh, as uh, lieutenant governor, I guess. So she was there. And they were talking about how a company like this kind of helps continue with the revitalization of Somerville, uh, which is where the office is located. But they had two different units they showed. One was a portable unit, another portable unit that can provide level three quick charging. And they had one in a van, uh, an electric van, which was sort of interesting. They had it in the Ford Transit electric van, which doesn't have a huge range. It only has about 120 mile range and they also had these sort of kiosk style units which could go in a parking garage for instance and you don't have to um, to try to explain charging level one charging is house current so the 120 volt 117 volt outlet in your house level two charging is 240 volts so kind of think electric dryer outlet something like that and then level three charging is 440 volts, and Tesla superchargers even are higher. But level three charging is called DC voltage charging, um, and it requires, uh, from what I can tell, forty to sixty thousand dollars worth of parts and pieces to put into a business, so you can do level three charging. I, I would guess. You know, unless you're a billionaire, you don't have level three charging at your house unless your house is ginormous and has ridiculous amounts of electrical requirements. So level three charging is generally reserved for places like shopping malls and places like that. So this system allows for level three quick charging, and it does it without having to put an infrastructure in place. So basically what it is, it's a big box that bolts to the ground. Uh, And by big box, I mean it's about four feet wide and five feet tall with a big display screen on the front of it. And you pull up to it in your electric car, you plug in, it charges up, and off you go. So it charges up your car quickly like Level 3 does. So maybe you can get a charge up to 80% in a pretty limited time, maybe as little as 30 minutes. So, But it's done with the same sort of rechargeable system that they use in their other devices. And the idea that you could put this in a rest area somewhere and do it without having to run all kinds of high-power electricity to it. And when it runs low on electricity, they have a company or their company goes out and they swap out the battery packs inside of it, which they say can be done in less than a couple of minutes. So pretty interesting the way it was. And also, and I should know his... his. Um, 
his actual title now, but uh, there was somebody there from the state of Massachusetts, and he also looked at this system, and he was one of the guest speakers, and he was he was pretty interesting in um, how this whole thing was going to work, and and it was it was pretty it was a pretty interesting event. And I got a feeling that um, it's gonna it's gonna be something that uh, we're gonna see more of, maybe on in rest areas. And again, it doesn't really add to the power grid. And the guy and the guy who was there was Jamie Tesla. Jamie Tesla was the um, was the uh, I guess registrar of motor vehicles for a while. Now he has a, a higher up job in in Massachusetts. So. Bunch of stuff, bunch of stuff going on in electric vehicle space. And last week I mentioned that I did a uh, uh, the column I write for the Providence Journal ended up in Yahoo's news page, their homepage. And it doesn't all the time, but it does sometimes. It did again this morning. And last week it started off. You know, I think it was. I think the title, and I don't write the titles. The title was, you know, do you need an electric car? And what was interesting about it was it got about 450 responses from people about electric vehicles, and most of them were pretty negative. Most of them, most, uh, most of them were pretty negative. And and I know that electric vehicles popular because uh, Ford has sold out all of their their electric vehicle uh, production for the uh, Lightning pickup truck, for instance. So it's not like people are being forced to buy electric vehicles. It seems like people want to buy them. So it'll be interesting to see how it all goes on and, and what happens with it. Our phone number, if you want to give us a call, is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. I'm not exactly sure what happened to Kyle Brower, and uh, he is he is the executive analyst for IC Cars. And I emailed him on Wednesday, and he said he was all set, but maybe he's not all set. So who knows? Who knows what happens? So... We'll, uh, we'll, we'll wait to see. Speaking of electric cars, the electric Chevy Equinox will go on sale the fall of next year. They claim to have a 300-mile range on a single charge. They, um, if, you've, if you know the Equinox, it's a compact SUV, sort of Honda CRV-ish, sort of size-wise. Um, it's also the number two seller in the U.S. behind the Chevy Silverado pickup truck for General Motors. What's interesting about this is, and you never know till you know, I guess, but GM said that the price tag for this could be in the $30,000 range. So GM is rolling out a couple other SUV, uh, EVs, uh, both SUVs. Uh, one is the GMC Hummer, which is an electric pickup truck, and that's 110 grand. And the other one is the Cadillac SUV, the Lyric, which is uh, about $62,000. So this is a pretty, this is a pretty inexpensive, as things go, uh, electric vehicle. So we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. And again, electric vehicles are, you know, there's, there's sort of. The future, whether you want to believe it or not, they are they are the future, and we'll have to we'll have to wait and see, you know what we what is going to happen with them. I you know will they be as you know will it take a long time for them to get popular? Absolutely. So, some of the emails I received this week, which I thought was were pretty interesting. Somebody has a Honda uh, Civic, 
and it's 20 years old, and they say they can't, the headlights don't work well anymore because the headlight lenses are all cloudy and faded and um, they don't have clear light anymore. And they looked at some of the DIY stuff, uh, do-it-yourself cleaning kits, and they said they saw that most only provide a short-term improvement. Well, it depends on what you do. If you're if you're if all you're doing is kind of a wipe-on, wipe-off, uh, I haven't seen any of those systems that seem to work very well. Uh, it, no better than taking if you go and get a can of off, you know, the, the, the bug spray stuff, spray it on there and wipe it off. It actually does as good as some of these do, which makes me wonder what off does to you if it can actually dissolve plastic. But anyway, um, and then there's other kits that you actually mask off all around the headlight and you use a, a special polishing pad and very, very fine sandpaper and you basically wet sand the lenses and then you apply a clear coating over them and that helps preserve them. Uh, they didn't like that and they suggested, they went to a body shop and the body shop suggested the use of aftermarket lenses or housings would be way cheaper than trying to go up by the Honda ones. And they're absolutely right. Uh, but uh, kind of interesting things, though. What we have seen with some of the aftermarket ones, the quality of the lens construction can vary quite a bit. And, in fact, what we saw was when you polish up the factory lenses sometimes, the light output is actually better than some of the aftermarket ones. It might not look as pretty, but sometimes it's actually better. So you have to be careful what you're going to what you're going to buy. And if I was going out and shopping for aftermarket headlight lenses, I would look for ones that are called, they're CAPA certified, C-A-P-A, which is the Certified Automotive Parts Association. And that means that they're, that they are somewhere up there with original equipment standards. I have seen some body shop parts that lacked all kinds of reinforcements, caused all kinds of problems. So, Look for the ones that are CAPA certified. And if you go to some of the big online websites like Car ID, Rock Auto, CarParts.com, uh, you will note that some of them are listed as CAPA certified. So if I was going to buy some, that's what I would buy. And you can buy for the Honda Civic, they're pretty inexpensive. You can buy a set. So the left and right headlight assembly, less the bulbs. They don't come with the bulbs for whatever reason. Maybe shipping the bulbs right. Who knows? Uh, for like a hundred bucks, so you can get your car in good shape, where you can be good to go again. So, uh, one of the other questions, uh, one of the columns I wrote last week, uh, I mentioned the to uh, the uh, Toyota Matrix and the Pontiac Vibe, and the cars are essentially similar, uh, made in the same assembly line back when they were making them, and they're really they were really pretty good cars, uh, sort of the beginning of the small SUV craze. In fact, when I was looking for a used car in Florida, I was really trying to find one of these. I was trying to find, I figured I'd find a Pontiac Vibe because nobody wanted it because they don't make Pontiacs anymore. And pe maybe people forgot that the Pontiac Vibe was really just a Pontiac clone of a, of a Toyota Matrix, so you have a good quality engine and transmission in them. And I couldn't find one, so uh, uh, I moved on and ended up sending my wife's car to Florida instead. But anyway, they um, they had this matrix and the check engine light came on and they panicked and they ran to the dealer and they said the dealer tried to sell them a $1,500 emissions, $1, emissions systems overhaul, which they seemed odd 
because the car wasn't that old at the time. And they they did a little bit of quick research and found out, well, maybe it's just a gas capsule. And sure enough, it was. And uh, the light went off after about 50 miles. And apparently, this person's brother still drives the same car. And it has 200,000 miles on it. And it's never had another problem with that. So now they have a 2013 Toyota Prius. It's got about 85,000 miles on it. And the check engine light came on. They tightened the gas cap. It didn't work. They drove another 20 or 30 miles. The light came back on. It happened a couple more times. But they're a little concerned about going to the dealer, and they're kind of wondering, you know, what they should do. They're also thinking about they bought a new uh, Toyota gas cap, hoping that was it, and it didn't work. And they said, should I try another Toyota gas cap? Probably not. I don't think it is. I think it's the problem. I think there's a problem with the evaporative emission system the uh, the evaporative emission system when you sh- when the car is running and most importantly when it's shut off the fumes that build up inside the gas tank get stored in a charcoal canister when you start up the car it takes this gas fumes and reburns it inside the engine what can happen is there's a purge valve in, in the system that can go bad so basically just a vent of sorts and it can go bad and it can either in the worst case it can add raw fuel into the system. In other cases, it just doesn't seal up properly. So I think there's probably a problem with that. It's pretty common with Toyota products, even with um, even with the Prius. So I think what needs to happen is it needs to go back to a repair shop or the dealership. And I say or the dealership because the car is almost 10 years old now. Keep in mind the 2023 cars are starting to come out. So there's 2013. It's almost 10 years old now. And the dealer at some point you know, may not have any more parts availability to this than any other place would. And what will happen is they'll go in, they'll check the code, see what the code is. Again, probably an EVAP code. That's the most common on these vehicles. And they'll more than likely fill the system with synthetic smoke. So they kind of fill everything up with the synthetic smoke uh, from a smoke machine. And then they start to activate the different solenoids, and they and they as as crazy as it sounds, as complicated as the system is, basically what you do is you look for the smoke to leak out. So you look for wherever the smoke comes out, then you know, oh, okay, there's 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 the issue. Okay, well we found the leak. It's where the smoke's leaking out, and then you replace the part that goes bad, and that usually solves the problem. So usually a couple hundred dollars, you can get it you can get it taken care of, and there you go. So just like that. Um, one of the other interesting one was um person purchased a used Hyundai Santa Fe and it's still under warranty and the dealer said since it's a certified pre-owned vehicle they need to come back to the dealer for service to maintain the warranty and the person says I've built up a great relationship with over the years with my own mechanic but they don't want to avoid the 100,000 mile 10 year warranty um and they're concerned. They're concerned as you know what happens if I will. I, will I void the warranty? Do I have to go back to the deal, or what's what's the deal? And the deal is that you don't need to go back to the dealer. Uh, what's nice is where this was a certified pre-owned car. Normally, when you buy a used Hyundai, and the drivetrain warranty is ten years or hundred thousand miles, and the bumper-to-bumper warranty is five years or sixty thousand miles. What happens when you buy that car as a used car? Everything drops to five years or sixty thousand, except for the fact that where it's certified pre-owned, it means that it's sort of the best of the best with Hyundai, and the 10-year, 100,000-mile 
drivetrain warranty transfers with the car. So do you, does that mean you have to go back to the dealer? No, you don't have to go back to the dealer. You just have to use quality parts. And Hyundais are one of those cars, and I, and I own one, that I would only recommend using the Hyundai oil filter. And I have had, you know, I've had the oil changed by Hyundai. I've had the oil changed by aftermarket places, and I've changed the oil myself. And I bought what I always thought was good quality oil filters, and I heard a little bit of engine tap when I first started the car. So I went in and swapped the oil filter over, put the Hyundai oil filter on, noise went away. So in this case, when I do change the oil myself, with the car, I use Hyundai oil filters. So, uh, but as far as the warranty goes, as long as you keep uh, records and use quality parts, uh, again, you you can do the you can do the work yourself. You don't have to you don't have to go out and have someone else do it for you. So, uh, so it should it should be fine. So, well, uh, it looks like Kyle Brower isn't isn't going to join us today. So, don't know what happened. I hope he's okay. When I emailed him on Wednesday, it seemed like everything was okay, but uh he his the topic was going to be and I, and I I was going to be uh, the best cars for teens, which I thought was a good topic. I see he works for IC Cars and and they did the best the best cars for teens and also I thought maybe I could find out if he went to the Detroit Auto Show, which Technically, I guess it's called the North American International Auto Show. And I always went there in uh, right after the first of the year where Detroit, a lot like Massachusetts, is cold. And it never seems like – it was one of those places that I traveled to that I always decided – I'm going to be cold. There's there's no there's no if I'm going out somewhere at night, if I have to go somewhere, if I have to if I'm going to a dinner, if I'm meeting some friends somewhere, I'm just going to be cold because it's going to be cold, it's going to be wintry, it's going to be miserable, and you can never bring enough warm warm clothes with you, especially if you're flying out and, you know, bringing a little carry-on bag kind of thing. So, I was hoping to be able to get a little information about this new and improved Hopefully, new and improved uh, auto show in Detroit. See what it was like. I have a feeling it was okay, but I don't think it was terrific. So um, I was kind of hoping we'd hear from that. Well, uh, why don't we take a break and pay some bills? Again, if you'd like to join us, the call-in number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. We'll take a break. When we come back, I have a car review to talk about which happens to be electric, a little bit of an update of the end-of-the-year car shows that are going on. In fact, one of them is going on in Milford right now, out in Milford, Mass. If you're up in that area, uh, check out the Milford Car Show that uh, uh, I believe it's the Lions Club puts that, puts that on. And we'll talk about some of the other car shows that are still still out and around. People are still out and around with their car shows uh, coming up. So we have that coming up as well. So a car review coming up next, a little bit of an update, and of course more automotive news. And we'd like to talk to you. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. Car repair questions, try to answer them all. Car choice questions, try to answer those as well. Anything automotive, give us a call at 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. Plymouth County is a large area stretching from just south of Boston down to the Cape Cod Canal. I'm Alex Bazanson. Join me and my guests for countywide coverage, everything from the Mayflower Landing to the most recent town meetings, how national news affects us locally, and how things that happen in Plymouth County affects the rest of the South Shore. Tune in for All About Plymouth County, Tuesday nights at 7, here on 95.9 WATD. 
I am Marco, and I am always been full of life, full of energy, and always on the go. At the age of 21, I was diagnosed with kidney disease. My life was saved by an organ donor. Receiving a life-saving organ put my life back into play, and I was able to move forward and make my dreams come true. Anyone can sign up to be an organ donor, whether you're 16 or 96. Be a hero. Be an organ donor. Register today. Register at registerme.org. Sponsored by New England Donor Services. Well, hey there. It's Chris from South Shore Buds in Marshfield. I don't know about you, but I grew up pretty skeptical of anything cannabis-related. From the time I drank juice in a box to long after I drank wine from a box, I stayed away. I just said no. It wasn't until I met someone who answered all of my questions, and I had a lot of them, that I finally gave it a try. It didn't take long for me not just to become a fan, but to discover the potential benefits of cannabis. So if you're curious, if you've got questions, like I did, stop by South Shore Buds. Or if you're an experienced consumer looking for a thoughtfully curated menu, stop by South Shore Buds. We'll help you find your happy place. We're at 985 Plain Street, just off Route 3 at Exit 27 in Marshfield. Or check us out online where you can browse, place an order for pickup, or place an order for delivery at SouthShoreBuds.com. That's SouthShoreBuds.com. Always consume responsibly. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. And again, if you would like to join us, 781-837-4900 on this. I don't know how it is. What's it like up in Marshfield? On Cape Cod, it's uh, it's it's humid in the 70s and windy as can be. Uh, right now, it is not super windy, but it's, uh, yeah, upper 70s. Looks like it's 76 degrees outside. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. But it's it is it is it is pretty windy, and I I promised a car review, and the car review is sort of a sort of an interesting car because it is a um, it it's a car that is it caught me it caught me a little by surprise how good it was, and that is and that is the Ionic, and uh, I I really I really liked it. Um, it's an all-electric car. First off, it's it's called the Ionic Five. It's an all-electric small SUV that comes in four trim levels. The base model with the smaller battery it delivers about 220 miles of range. The SE and the SEL and limited trim that have an advertised range of 303 miles. All models uh, are standard rear-wheel drive with all-wheel drive available. Uh, in all but the base level trim. The road test was in a very nicely equipped all-wheel drive model, which, uh, when fully charged, uh, displayed a range of about 270 miles. Uh, The battery in our test model also was the bigger battery. It was rated at 797 volts. You know, think about that. The dual-motor setup delivers a combined horsepower of 320 with 446 foot-pounds of torque. Um, I stayed in the eco mode with all-wheel drive. I was able to go 270-some-odd miles without too much trouble. Handling was uh, and ride were quite good. I found the ride comfortable, uh, smoothing out all but the worst bumps. The seats were also really comfortable in this car. They did a really nice job with it. I thought it was well thought out. Um, 
all electric cars are quiet, but the Ionic is very quiet with very wind, little wind or road noise. Just a good vehicle all the way around. So if you're looking for a small electric crossover, the Ionic 5 is easy to recommend. There may be vehicles with longer range. Some may be even priced a little bit lower, but as a complete package, I think the Ionic 5 gets a lot of things right. Uh, our phone number again, 781-837-4900, and I'm guessing we have somebody on hold here. Uh, we do. We have uh, Tom from South Boston. Well, let's talk to Tom. Radio. Tom, good morning. Hey, good morning, John. How are you? Good. How are you? What's up? Good. I have an 85 Lincoln Town car. Um, it's got original uh, 48,000 miles on it. You know, wow. It was in supreme condition. Yeah. Um, the other day, uh, I, I put it in reverse, and it kind of bucked like three, four times. Um, so I'm just curious what you think that may be, something in the rear end, uh, I'm assuming. What do you mean by buck? Give me give me a little bit more example. Okay, like if you you push on the gas, step on the pedal, push on the gas, step on the pedal, it, it like stutter steps. Okay. And uh, it, it just does it for the first three times. It just started the other day, so I'm kind of concerned. I don't want to drive it, obviously. But well, I think the first thing we got to figure out is is it will it do it if it's in drive? No, it doesn't. It's only in reverse. It's per- yeah, and I had been driving it for like an hour before, and I just happened to be in a spot where I had to turn around. Mm. And I just thought, I said, I kind of ignored the first one, and then, like, I hadn't gone another 80 yards, and I, I did the same thing. It, it seems to go in smooth to reverse. doesn't do anything there when it engages, yeah. but when I, I hit the pedal, it, it shakes, so to speak, three quick times. You know, I didn't do it anymore. I didn't want to do any damage. Yeah. Yeah, it if if it had three hundred thousand miles on it, I would say that right. the I would say that the spider gears in the rear end were worn out. But it doesn't have right. that kind of miles on it. So no, not uh, at all. Yeah. yeah. So my suspicion is that providing you know, like why I asked whether it did it in drive instead of reverse, right. because sure. if the engine wasn't running right, you would get the mm-hmm. same you would get the same issues going on in drive as you would in reverse so i'm going to rule you know based on that i'm going to say the engine's running fine it's running just the way it should so either you have a problem in the rear diff the rear end's got some bad wear in it which is Uh possible which is possible or else or else you have an issue going on with the um uh, reverse gear inside the transmission. The clutch isn't applying right, or or something something's going on inside the transmission that you're going to need to. You know, I I would at this point I would bring it to a transmission shop, okay. and and but I would want to bring it there and let them let them really look at it. And yeah. you know, the first thing they're going to do is well, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to drop it into reverse because what anybody sure. who knows anything about cars, the first thing they do with a transmission issue is put it in reverse because uh, you need more hydraulic pump pressure, and and if you have a worn transmission, it's going to be a little lazy getting into reverse. And you said okay. yours clicks right into reverse, so no, that rule engages right away. Yeah, that rules out the pump. I, yeah, yeah, but yeah. as you're okay. starting to back up. And you feel it kind of jerking back and up uh, leads me to believe there might be something going on with the transmission. Maybe the rear end because you know the rear end you get different different force on the rear end going forward than you do backwards. But I would start yes, with yeah. a, I would start with the transmission shop. But can, does it do it every time you put it in reverse? Well, 
I, I've only uh, moved the car twice. It did it twice, and I didn't want to do anything more. You right. Know? I, I, I just had it towed to my house, and uh, oh, I don't okay. fool around. So, so it's that, so it's so it's that bad. It makes it, that you were afraid to drive it. No. Yeah. I, I could have driven it. I just yeah. chose not to because yeah. um, I was unaware of uh, you know what was going on with it. I mean, yeah. I was like I told you before. I was driving around and drive for over an hour, so the right. transmission was doing what it's supposed to. No issues at all. Yeah. Then when I made the the, the turnaround, uh, I did it. It did twice. And then I okay. Just said, See, I'm put yeah. A hold on this. See, that's that's where I'm thinking that there's something going on. Uh, in the in the differential in the rear end, there's something there's something going yeah. on inside there that maybe. Yeah. And again, I would expect to see this in a car that had, you know, two hundred and fifty thousand miles on it, not you know fifty thousand. So yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So again, you know, the 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 pinion gears inside there could be could have been worn enough where, you know, where where something's banging around inside there. But you're not going to know until you get it into a repair shop where they can. Where they can kind of experience what's going on with it, and then you said this was a town car or a continental. It's a town car. Town car. So they can, you know, first thing they're going to want to do is they're going to they're going to want to look inside, you know, or you know, first thing they're going to do is they're going to check all the simple stuff: motor mounts, sure. transmission mounts, you know, uh-huh. drive shaft and U joints. Make sure everything looks, you know, everything looks yeah. tight and good. Then right. they're going to look at they're going to look at the at the rear end of the car they're gonna they're gonna decide what they need to do to to kind of really look inside there um and make sure that there's nothing make sure there's nothing really really going on in, inside there to be able to it's, yeah it's really strange and and the thing is to taking it from drive to reverse there's no banging or anything it, it's already engaged and then it's when i hit the accelerator it's just I really right. don't know how to right. phrase yeah. it. You know but what I'm but, but the, good, the, the good thing is this is a pretty easy one to look at because, yeah. uh, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a Ford 9-inch that the front's got to come off. There's a rear cover on this. You take it off. Sure. And you look for sure. you, you look for wear in the gears. Um Pretty again, pretty easy to pretty easy to look at. So that's okay. kind of that's kind of where I would start, um, yeah. especially where you described it, you know, in reverse and and. You know, have have I run into a couple of oddball cars where you put something in drive and it runs great, and you put it in reverse and it and it stutters and makes all kinds of noise because the engine shuts off? Every uh-huh. once in a while, you see that, but it doesn't sound like that. Doesn't sound like that no. with this one. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. no connection with the uh, yeah. engine, so yeah, uh, yeah no. pretty strange. Yeah, um, no, I th- I think there's I think based on what you're telling me, there's a problem with the rear differential. Although I'm I'm surprised with such low mileage, but anything can happen. Right. I agree. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your All information. Right. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900. I think we have Jim from North Reading on the phone. Jim, good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Well, thank you. I, I have a 93 Nissan Sentra that I just changed the power steering fluid on. I, I just changed the pump. Okay. And I want to add new fluid to it. And the manual says Dextron 2, so I knew there's newer stuff out now. But am I? It, it says transmission fluid. I'm confused. Do I use transmission? Do I actually get power steering fluid? Do I use the Dextron 3? It says not to use Dextron 6. Um, something that, you know, synthetic, or do I go. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm confused. 
Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can see how I can see how you would be, uh, because there, there is a, there's a million, there's a million kinds out there. But yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're saying, you know, use, uh, use Dextron two automatic transmission fluid is what's supposed to go in that. Well, they don't make that anymore. Yeah. So what, what it is? So what do you, so what do you use that's compatible with Dextron two? Well, like you said, you don't use. You know, you you don't use anything else other than that. So, uh, so how do you do it, right? So, what are you supposed to do? So, you know, what what have you found that looks equivalent? I guess. Well, in the past, when I had the leak, I was adding um, something I bought at AutoZone. It was transmission fluid, but it was uh, for for foreign cars. Oh yeah. And that seemed to work, except uh, you know, I ran out of that now, and now I changed the pump. I'm not quite sure if I should go back to that again or be doing something altogether different. You know, it, it's you know it, it, when you when you look when you look at that, you know, you have to figure out you know what what can I what can I replace it with? And um, you know, looking looking at a Dextron six, I guess replace two and three. Um, you know, and that's what they're saying can be used in their transmission. So, is that the same fluid you can use in your power steering pump? Hmm. I thought I, I read somewhere that it said it shouldn't be used in power steering pumps. Yeah. Well. On one uh, of the- yeah, and it, it very well you may have read that somewhere that 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 is the case. Um, I would, you know, this is this is this is a bit, but you know. It, you know, I've always learned that all of the fluids that are Dextron labeled, so Dextron 2 and 3, which kind of went away, you know, Dextron 6 is supposed to be backwards compatible to Dextron 2 and 3, so I think I think you would be all right. Um, then there are some other ones out there that claim to be the equivalent, um, you know, the thing about Dextron six is it's a fully synthetic fluid. Um, yeah, I think I think you'd be fine using it um, because I don't know what else I don't know what else you'd use. And like you said, you know, could you use a could you use a you know power steering fluid that just says you know uh, Asian car power steering fluid? You know, or could you go use something like um, you know, go to go to get AC Delco GM original power steering fluid, which is similar to what the Dextron Two was. Or could you go to go you know go get Amsoil uh, synthetic power steering fluid, which is which is which is what I probably would do. I would probably get a, a synthetic power steering fluid like an Amsoil or something like that, and use that because I think you're going to get. Everything you want to get out of it, and maybe even you know what's nice is it's going to be it should be compatible with everything in there. It's going to keep all the seals nice and soft. So I'd probably go with something like an Amsoil synthetic fluid. Okay, I'll give that a shot. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. 
Because that, I mean, it is, it's marketed as a power steering fluid. It's, it's a, you know, it should do everything you need to do. I mean, back in the, back in the olden days before there was power steering fluid, the only thing we ever put into power steering systems, whether it was a Ford or a GM car or whatever, was Dextron power, Dextron transmission fluid. That was exactly the same. And, uh, you know, over the years with rack and pinion units, they started to do away with, you know, well, we're not going to use this. We're going to use this. And there was all different kinds. Um, and Nissan, as far as I know, never had their own branded power steering fluid. I think they were just using transmission fluid. So maybe may, I think going to a synthetic fluid, I don't think there'd be any harm with it. Uh, certainly it's a, a, it's a better quality fluid. I think, I think it would be okay. So going to a synthetic power steering fluid, and again, could you use the Dextron 6? Probably, probably you could, uh, but, but I, I, it might make me happy to see a container that actually said power steering fluid on it, even though deep down inside, I know they're pretty much all the same. Okay, so AMSOIL is a power steering fluid. Uh, AMSOIL is a, AMSOIL, the only thing AMSOIL sells is synthetic fluids, and they have, they have a, a, a they have a, their own power steering line, so that's probably that's probably what I would use. I think you'd I think you'd be okay with that. Again, I don't I don't know that that I've ever seen anything separate. And um, you know now now you got me now you got me curious. So now I'm looking on now I'm looking on the internet. So you know which I mean, is confused. you know yeah. yeah. When, so when did they go to transmission fluid from power steering fluid that makes no sense or the other way around even so because uh, it says uh here's 10 best nissan power steering fluid equivalents and it says to uh i'll just kind of read the article to maximize profit auto manufacturers like to sell oem parts and products there's nothing wrong with that but marketing is aggressive and you have to use this fluid or else nissan's been doing this uh with their uh, proprietary power steering fluid while you shouldn't risk using alternatives. This is talking about a new car. Um, it says uh, you should use Dextron 3. So, again, that's the old one. And it says, uh, but Dextron 6 is backwards compatible and is a safer option. And it says you can use any ATF that uh, fits this criteria. And, again, we're talking power steering fluid, not our power steering systems, not power steering fluid, and they're saying, uh, you know, what is equivalent to the proper power steering fluid, and they list a whole bunch of mode here, uh, including, you know, mobile Dextron 6, uh, AC Delco Dextron 6, uh, AMSOIL, the, 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 the multi-vehicle synthetic power steering fluid, they list that out there. Uh, there's some uh, there's some German ones. Uh, Emily even makes a Dextron six. So again, I think you'd be fine with uh, Dextron six. Uh, I think you'd be fine. Also, even Royal Purple, which is a which is a, a good product, they they make it as well. So I think I think you'd be fine with with any of these. And also the the other one they list. And, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have. Um, Somebody on from Lucas Products. Uh, they also list a, a Lucas semi-synthetic automatic transmission fluid as something that is. It's not fully synthetic, but it says that shouldn't be an issue for older Nissan models. The fluid provides excellent protection against wear and leaking. So if you can find a bottle of uh, Lucas semi-synthetic automatic transmission fluid, this 
this article recommends that you can use it without a problem. So I can't disagree with it. So thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. All Welcome right. back. All right. Thanks very much. Okay. And again, that's what I would do if it was my car. That's what I would do. I would I would use the uh, I would use some sort of uh, Dextron equivalent, and and I think I think you'd be fine because what else is there? That's all you can do. Our phone number again: seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. Seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. Phone lines are open if you would like to join us. Seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. Why don't we take another break? And when we come back, maybe we'll talk to you about your car and your car problems. And I'm going to do some more looking on this and see what see what see what else we can come up with for power steering fluid systems. We'll be right back. Plymouth Rock wants to talk to you. Seeing the rock is not the most boring field trip ever. Its feelings are hurt when it hears people say, this is it. This amazing rock has been listening to people's thoughts since the beginning of civilization. It's a 600 million year old glacier that migrated to Plymouth Bay. Today, it's your turn to talk to the rock. Visit Plymouth Rock and take a video and send it to cplymouth.com. You could win some cash. Want to know more? Go to cplymouth.com and click on Talk to the Rock. Funded in part by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Don't miss the Just Steph Show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tomorrow night from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back. And, uh, yeah, I looked on a couple more places, uh, some forums and stuff, and everybody says, everybody agrees with what I felt was the right thing to do. So, you know, what do you do when this stuff isn't available anymore? You just have to have to do, do what you can do. Hey, um, I didn't realize... My producer, Jesse, is also a celebrity with this podcast. Celebr- yeah, celebrity? like if you, if you made a list, I'd be like a, like a, t- a T or a Q list celebrity, maybe? Yeah, yeah <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're, still, you're still on an alphabetical list, you know? So, uh, uh, but, you, but you have a podcast uh, about uh, local ghost hunting, and we're almost, we're getting, I was, in a, I was in a store the other day, I saw all kinds of Halloween stuff, so. It is the season, yeah. It's spooky season, as we like spooky to call season. it. Yeah, so and and you did one. You did one. It was car related, sort of about uh, James Dean's car, right? We did, yeah. So it's a it's a relevant story. So it was uh, James Dean's is kind of like a cursed possession. So we do like haunted locations, not even just local. We do them all over the world. But the uh, one of the episodes that we did for like a side content episode was we cover like cursed possessions and celebrity hauntings. And this was like a nice little cross between the two because James Dean's car was supposedly cursed before and after he died. So he had the uh, Porsche 550 Spider, and he died back in 1955. It was a car crash. He was on his way to like a race meeting because obviously he was an actor, but he was also into car racing as well, and he was actually really good at it. And um, he died instantly in this car accident. And then, um, but his car was supposed to be like kind of cursed before. So he had met up with this actor, uh, Alec Guinness. They were in LA. He was a British actor, and Guinness like had a bad feeling about this car right off the bat. He said it looked sinister. Um, and he, he was like, don't get in this car. He's like, please just don't, don't, don't do it. Sell the car. He said, never get in it. Uh, if you're in that car, you're going to be fine. You're going to be found dead within a week. Wow. And he was, so <laughs> it was, uh, he probably felt pretty bad about that. Uh, but yeah, so he died and then, um, the car was totaled. So it's not like you could have really driven this thing. I mean, it right. was absolutely smashed. But it disappeared, but, right? 
Eventually. But first, I mean, it was stripped and the parts were sold. And the parts initially were split off um, and they were sold to uh, two different racers. So one of them got like the transmission and the suspension. And I believe a, a different driver got the actual engine and they used this. And in the same race, both of them crashed. One of them survived. I think the first one uh, was McHenry. No, McHenry was the one who died. Sorry, I don't have the facts right in front of me. But That's right. Yeah, so, That's right. so McHenry died. He hit a tree, which, by the way, was the only tree on this racetrack. He managed to hit that one. Um, so he died. And then the other one was, uh, like, William Eskrich, I believe. Um, not entirely sure, but he crashed. Yeah. He survived. So one of them survived, one of them died, but they both crashed. And they didn't crash into each other. They both crashed within the same race. So uh, you had that. And then there, then later on, I believe in um, 1959, the the car was in storage or whatever was left of the car was in storage and it just randomly caught on fire. And then the final death... Randomly caught on fire. That's what they say. Yeah. Um, and then the, the final death, the, what was left um, of the car, you know, like the basically uh, whatever car now had whatever parts were left in it, um, the car was on display and it just fell over and killed a guy named George... So yeah, so, tough, so to, think, tough to tough to be George. Jeez, I know that uh. car isn't even driving; it just fell over on him and he died. So um, it's a pretty uh, pretty interesting case. So they say that the you know the, the car is cursed, and if you had any parts of this car, um, that uh, you know you're in danger. So so and you can't find you can't find the car now. The car's gone. As far as I know, it, it, everything that's left of it is 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 missing. So they say that they found recently. Um, a a part of the car, um, in like a warehouse. I, I don't know how they can confirm that it was actually from that car, but um, other than that, I could, think everything could be, else is could be the ghost hanging around over it, maybe. But maybe. So I, yeah. I didn't really see. I mean, we looked into yeah. it, and we didn't really see any like hauntings of like yeah. James Dean's ghost or anything like that. But the, but the curse that surrounds everything involved with this car was was very interesting and and kind of hard to debunk like well, mm. why is there so much bad luck i mean I, I guess if if it were just a regular car and they were driving around on regular roads and they were getting in all these car accidents and everyone that had anything attached to it was was dying then i would find that like much more creepy obviously when you're racing there's a much higher risk of right. getting in an accident so 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 uh it's it's you your brother and uh, another guy whose name i forgot yeah rob oh, yeah and um Believer, non-believer, you're you're the you're the skeptic, right? Um, I'm kind of on the fence. So since we started doing the show and going to more terrifying locations, uh, <laughs> you know, you start to see some things that you're like, I don't know if I can fully explain that. But we, uh, my brother Dave is he's he's like the skeptic of the show, and then Rob is more of a believer in the stuff, which is nice because and, and this is why people like the show, and this is why I think it took off as much as it did was because. We're not afraid to call out stuff that just sounds a little fishy. You know, like, oh, this probably isn't anything. This could be this or this could be that. And and people like the authenticity of that where they're like, okay, when you have one show that constantly debunks everything, then it's kind of like, all right, well, they believe in nothing. And when you have one show that just leans into like everything's a ghost, then they're like, well, they believe in everything. We have a nice mix of like, you know, we chat about it and we go live with the show. Um, and so like the people that are in chat, like they'll they'll comment on whether or not they think something's real as well. So I think that's what people like about it is we're not afraid to call, call it out. But it's uh, it's Hometown Ghost Stories, and uh, that's the uh, that's the podcast. And you can find it on all the normal port, uh, podcast. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. So we're on iTunes and Spotify. We just signed with um, Bloody Disgusting, which is like a big horror network. 
Um, so yeah, for some uh, for some reason on I I think I have uh, that's one of the channels that pops up on uh, my Fire Stick apps. Yeah, yeah, they're really yeah. big, so it was it was pretty yeah. cool. So we're just getting started with them. We don't really know where it's going to go, but it's uh, so far it's it's a pretty cool thing to be involved with. But we also we're on YouTube and uh, Facebook and everything like that. So. And, and and you know and you know who who doesn't want to be on a channel called Bloody Disgusting? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very graphic name. So they, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, but it is it is uh, it, it's it's interesting. It's interesting when you look at some of this, and you know, I guess you know we'll save it for another time. But you know, we could we could use for a trivia question. We could use like Christine was haunted, right? Christine the car. Was that Steven, Steven Spielberg movie? Uh, oh, oh, oh! Or, I mean, uh, Stephen King movie, Christine, with the haunted car. I don't know if I saw that one. I mean, it's easy. Yeah, come on, put it on the list. Come on, everybody's seen. That. <laughs> I, I've seen plenty of Stephen King stuff. I'm gonna have to look yeah, into that one. Yeah, but there's there's a there's a uh, there's a lot. I guess if you probably if you probably looked uh, haunted cars, there's probably a lot of movies based on sort of there are. There was a, there, there was like a whole car, a whole movie based on like a, a haunted tire. Which oh, <laughs> I don't know if that one's any good, but yeah, it sounds sounds like sounds like a bit of a stretch to me. But I mean, uh, they'll make a movie about haunted anything, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess they would, but uh, but again, uh, you're you're I, I I'm going to put you in the celebrity category. That's how I'm looking at it. Well, so. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, I promised we'd talk about a couple of car shows that are still they're still around, and if you you just check car shows, you'll find some. But uh, you know, coming up on the twenty fourth of the month, uh, down in Onset on the pier, and this is probably pretty interesting. This is uh, going to be from ten to five at the Onset uh, one eighty six Onset Ave. Uh, it's they call it the Harvest Moon Festival, which could be spooky, could be, uh, could be, yeah. And then uh, there's there's another one down way down on the Cape in Northeast Ham, uh, and today up in Milford, the Milford Lions Club car show is is a good show to go to. So if you're up in that area today, I think that runs till about 2 o'clock today. And again, if you're somebody who won tickets to the Saratoga Motor Car Auction um, and you should have received the tickets to the auction in the mail, and I thought the tickets were general admission tickets because it says admit one single-day general admission ticket. So I thought they were they were good for all any admission but i guess they're not um uh i'm not sure what to do i they sent me four or five general admission tickets uh if you're somebody who was uh who won these tickets last week and you want a couple because i only got i only got a couple so i thought they were going to send me another 50 which i thought would have been kind of fun but maybe not so i apologize for that that didn't go quite as well it should also, I have a trivia prize, and I don't, you know, because I'm not at work all the time, I don't have the same trivia prize, and we will give away another AAA membership coming up before too long, but I have something called the Rocket Book, and the Rocket Book is kind of interesting. It's a, it's a, it's an all-in-one planner, calendar, notebook, but you write on it like a notebook, but then it automatically trans- transfers to your phone. So you download the app, you take notes, you scan and save, and then you can uh, then you can save save it to your phone or your iPad or something. It's one of those things. So uh, it happens to be it happens to say Hyundai on it. So which is uh, where I got it. So I was at a Hyundai event and saw it there. Well, it was at the Spark Charge event. I will say I saw some things I'd never seen before, and one of them was the new Rivian pickup truck. I hadn't seen one before. Uh, it's it 
it looks bigger in in pictures than it does in real life. It doesn't look quite as big as a say F one fifty pickup. It's a little bit smaller, but it's bigger than say a Honda Ridgeline. So it's a little bit bigger than that, smaller than a F one fifty. Pretty good looking truck. I also saw the new Mercedes uh, EQS, their new all-electric sedan, which I had not seen before. Uh, So it was kind of interesting to see that. They had a bunch of BMW electric cars there. Herb Chambers had some cars there. Uh, What was missing, and I guess no surprises, there was no Teslas there, although literally I, I, I ran out of, I don't know, ambition to count Teslas. There seemed to be a Tesla. Every time I looked up, the event was outside, and every time I looked up, there seemed to be another Tesla out there. So uh, you can tell how popular Teslas are. Um, also, there was uh, there was a uh, a Polestar, which I, I don't really know a lot about. Volvo started the electric their electric vehicle kind of range and came up with uh, Polestar, which became almost a separate company from what I understand. I'm going to have to find out some more information about that. The other one that was sort of missing was a Lucid, uh, which I don't know a lot about other than they're expensive. Well, I shouldn't say ex- they're expensive. They they run from the seventy to one hundred and sixty thousand dollar range, uh, but the one hundred and sixty thousand dollar range one has a range of almost six hundred miles. Can't imagine how long it takes to recharge that. Speaking of battery recharge times, uh, I drove an electric car to Somerville from Cape Cod, where I now live. And it was about a um, 150, almost 200-mile round trip by the time I picked somebody up and dropped them off and all of that. And I came back in, and again, I'm only, I only have the capability to charge my car with 110 volts worth of charging system. And so I, I only have an outside outlet on the corner of my house that I plug things like my weed whacker into. And I, I, plugged, in, I plugged in the uh, charging cable. And it said it was going to take 36 hours to fully recharge the car. 36 hours is a long time. Best best my calculation is it's a day and a half. But I plugged it in overnight, and I came out the next morning, and I went to go use the car, and it gained about 100 miles of range. And I think I drove 25 miles or so, came back, plugged in an overnight the next night. And by the next night, it was fully charged. So I had about 80 miles left in it. It gained about 100 overnight, so it had 180, so way more range than I needed, so the equivalent of probably more than half a tank of gas in a car. And um, drove it, plugged it back in, back up to full range. I think it's 270 miles on a full range. The uh, th- This is this is a very similar. This was not the Ionic 5. Um, this was the Hyundai Kona, which is a smaller version, but uses about the same battery pack, so... About the same thing. Hey, I think it's 12 o'clock. I think it's time for us to go. Is that right, Jesse? Oh, my gosh. Just came out of nowhere. Just like nothing. So, well, until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or pull over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.